Creative Legals, the show that helps you understand the law around property investment. Whether you are a vanilla landlord or doing creative deals. Because what you do not know could cost you. Creative Legals, law for creative deals. Joining us now, your host, Julie Condliffe, the legal diva, successful property investor and specialist property litigation solicitor. Hey, it's Julie Conliffe. Thank you so very much for joining me today on the Creative Legals Property Investment Platform. Today, we discuss eviction pitfalls and how to avoid them. There's been a lot of talk surrounding the eviction ban. Has it been lifted? Has it not? Can we serve notices now? Can we not? Have the eviction notices changed? If so, how so? How about bailiffs and possession warrants? Can we enforce these now or not? We've got bailiff's appointments lined up. Do the appointments go ahead? Do they not? Do we need to serve reactivation notices? What really is a reactivation notice? How about Christmas truce? What is that? What does that even mean? What does it mean to me as a landlord? Those are some of the many, many questions that landlords have been asking. So, please do feel free to check out my recording around coronavirus questions and answers for landlords where I seek to respond to as many of your questions as possible. And please do keep this interactive. Um, Ask me questions as we go along, ask in the comments or utilize the link on the screen or indeed in the comments to ask whatever questions you need to ask because this is a journey that we walk together and that's why I'm here. For now, we focus on eviction notices. So to answer the primary question that has been asked as to whether the eviction ban has been lifted or not, the answer is yes, it has been lifted, thankfully. As you recall, the UK government announced emergency legislation banning tenant evictions. This was initially introduced on the 26th of March in 2020, and that was just after my birthday. This initial eviction ban was for three months. So it was due to expire on the 25th of June 2020. On expiry of that initial three-month eviction ban, the eviction moratorium was increased by another two months. So that took us up to the 23rd of August. Then something interesting happened on the 21st of August 2020. I choose to call that the August ambush because... We didn't know that there was going to be another extension of the eviction ban. Um, So in an unexpected move, on the 21st of August 2020, the government announced another extension to the eviction moratorium. This was for another month uh, and it expired, uh, thankfully again, on the 20th of September 2020. So that's in summary where we are now. The eviction ban has been lifted, at least on paper it has been. In practice, has it though? That's a matter for you to decide. Because how I look at it is the eviction ban ended on the 20th of September. We all agree, and it's in all the documentation, the news, and, you know, wherever else. So it actually officially ended on the 20th of September. No question about that. But here's the thing. A few days later, the lockdown announcement was made, meaning that from the 5th of November 2020, to protect against the coronavirus transmission, 
bailiffs were asked not to enforce eviction proceedings, well, not to enforce evictions during that lockdown period. So this then would take us to December. And you know that in December, we've really got the Christmas truce period. So this means that no evictions will be effected until the 11th of January at the very earliest. Whilst obviously I have to mention that in serious circumstances, such as illegal occupancy, antisocial behaviour, fraud and other similar matters, evictions can still be effected. But my point is this. Nothing is going to happen. Nothing is going to happen this side of Christmas. So whilst on paper eviction bans have been lifted, in reality, mm, it's questionable whether they have been or not. What I must also point out is this. The difference is if you're a landlord and you want to serve a notice now, you can serve it. But that's not actually a difference because even during the lockdown, even during the, the first eviction ban, you were still allowed to issue position proceedings. It's just that any position proceedings uh, issued were automatically stayed. So the bottom line is we're still effectively where we were before. I suppose the difference is if you issue court proceedings, then your proceedings will be on foot and they will continue in the court system somewhere. The material difference is in relation to bailiff eviction. So if you want to look at it that way, let me know in the comments if you agree with me or if you think otherwise. But the bottom line is we are in a season where it's of utmost importance, it is imperative to ensure that whatever notices that we serve eviction-wise are correct, they are legally binding because we cannot afford any delays. Delays mean money to us as landlords. Delays are costly. They're costly in continued unpaid rents. They're costly in legal costs. They've already been delays in relation to the court system. We know that uh, the court was faced with a mega mammoth task of dealing with um, at least six months worth of eviction backlog in relation to this COVID uh, pandemic. So there are already delays there. The, inc the increased influx of traffic has inevitably exacerbated the delay that were already there, if you like. Um, these delays, like I said, are, are inevitable, but they are costly. So let us avoid them at all costs because they'll result in loss of rental income. Property investment is a journey. To avoid the pitfalls in our paths, we must learn from those that have trodden the path before us. I'm sure you'll agree that it's cheaper to learn from other people's mistakes. There's no doubt about that. So today I try my hardest to help you save time and money by ensuring that the legal paperwork that you serve, that you issue is correct and that is compliant. So we discuss what is the killer mistake that could kick your eviction completely out of court. I've spent the last few minutes preaching the gospel of delays. We discussed court delays. We discussed court delays as occasioned by COVID-19. We discussed court delays occasioned by the eviction ban. Well, those particular delays are beyond our control. So that's excusable. But what is inexcusable is when the delays are caused by things that we could prevent, things that are in our control. By way of example, it is in our control to ensure that we kickstart the eviction process correctly. It is in our control to ensure that our contract documentation is correct at term commencement. It is in our control to ensure that the notices we serve are valid. What is in our control is what we must control. Therefore, we must control it. Okay? 
instead of wishing and hoping and leaving it to the gods, uh, being in a wishy-washy position where we don't even know what entails validity of a notice and what doesn't, that is not going to serve us, not in this particular environment. So let's get started now and ensure that all the paperwork that we send out to the tenants and to the court is correct and legally binding. We must dot every I, cross every T to avoid losing time and money. Can you imagine serving a notice and then six months later, when you want to issue court proceedings, finding that that notice is invalid? That would be far from entertaining. If you were a letting agent, perhaps, and you served a, an incorrect notice, how would you explain that to your landlord client? That <laughs> could be a potential negligence claim, couldn't it? So do you see why I insist on getting things right at the outset? Some of the questions to ask yourself before even thinking about instigating a possession claim are questions such as, do you even have a right to take back possession of a property? Do you have a right to bring a possession claim? What type of tenancy does this relate to? What type of notice do you need to serve? Do you actually even need to serve a notice? Because there are circumstances when you don't. If you're relying on a notice that requires you to rely on specific grounds for eviction, have those grounds been satisfied? How about a potential defence? Could your tenant bring a potential defence? That could completely wipe out your claim. That's a possibility, but this is where you need to get real with yourself. Because if there's been a breach on your part as a landlord, as an investor, as an agent, and if you genuinely know that that breach could end up thwarting your whole claim, then you need to reconsider your position before issuing court proceedings. Because it may be that the tenant brings a defence. It may be that the tenant brings a counterclaim. It may be that that defence, or indeed the counterclaim actually, could actually thwart your case. It could be that the defence, or indeed the counterclaim, could actually be of significant value or more significant value than your claim. So you may start a claim just wanting to evict a tenant or indeed to recover your arrears, but you could end up in an unenviable set of circumstances where you've got a, a counterclaim against you for a lot more than what you were claiming. So you need to count the cost. You need to consider whether there's been a breach of the Equality Act. You just need to consider whether there have been any breaches on your part and if you need to talk about it, if you're unsure of your position, I offer a free helpline service and the link is in the comments somewhere. The details will hopefully be on the screen somewhere. Feel free to contact me for an informal discussion as to where you stand because like I always say, what you do not know could cost you. So yeah, back now to the primary matter, which is the killer mistake that could just annihilate your whole eviction claim. So what could that be? If you know, engage with me. Actually, just guess, 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 guess. Let me know what you think. Uh, put it in the comments before you continue listening to this recording. So that's that. Hopefully you got it right. The answer is the actual eviction notice. So the primary eviction pitfall boils down to the actual eviction notice. Eviction notice? Primary error? Primary pitfall? Killer? 
What do you mean? How can that be? Well, I'll tell you exactly how. Because if you serve the wrong eviction notice, that's a killer mistake. If you provide the wrong notice period, that's a killer mistake. If you provide the wrong address, that's a killer mistake. If you provide the wrong timing, as in the wrong timing of service of the notice, that is a killer mistake. If you provide the wrong time limits, that could be a killer mistake. So are you with me? We discuss each of those points in turn. Wrong notice served. Serving an incorrect notice could be fatal to a landlord's claim. That's because different tenancies require different types of notices. The exact eviction procedure is entirely dependent on the type of tenancy and the tenancy terms. Our current focus today is on assured shorthold tenancies. Primarily, two types of assured shorthold tenancies, fixed-term tenancies and periodic tenancies. Fixed-term tenancies run for a defined period of time, for example, six months, 12 months, or however long. So it is a fixed period. Periodic tenancies run periodically, for example, month by month, week by week, quarterly. The key point is they've got no fixed term end date. That is the material difference. A landlord can use a Section 21 notice to take back possession of a property after the fixed term has ended. This is subject to defined prerequisites and preconditions. I discussed those in a separate recording. When it comes to Section 8 notices, the good news is a landlord can issue a section notice at any time at all, as long as there is a breach and as long as the eviction grounds are satisfied. So that's important. Again, I discuss all the grounds in eight different recording. The next point relates to the wrong notice period. Giving the correct notice period is imperative to a successful eviction. You and I know that eviction notice periods have changed. The eviction notice periods are now longer due to COVID-19. This applies to Section 21 notices and Section 8 notices as well. The specific notice periods do differ, so be mindful of that. In relation to Section 21 notices, the eviction notice period before 26 March was two months. The eviction notice period from 26 March to 28 August was increased to three months. The eviction period, which is now current, but it commenced on the 28th of August 2020, that's six whole months, half a year for a Section 21 notice, which was only two months before, but now six months. So please do remember that and remember those timelines. That's important. Outside the Section 21 world, totally different. The position has changed, albeit differently. So it's worth noting that some of the notice periods have actually returned to their pre-COVID status. So this applies to some of them and the particular ones are usually covering serious matters requiring immediacy of possession. So again, I discuss that in a separate recording. Section 8-wise, where at least six months of rent is unpaid, a minimum four-week notice period will be 
required. If less than six months of rent is owed, then the notice period is six months. Where a tenant has unfortunately passed away or is in breach of immigration rules or does not have a right to rent a property in the United Kingdom, then a minimum of usually three months would be needed. Otherwise, a six-month notice period is required for all other grounds. The next point was in relation to the wrong address for service of the eviction notice. You and I know that any mistake on a notice could actually invalidate it. That includes even an error in the address. So the wrong address could invalidate your notice and restart the whole eviction process again. So it pays to pay attention. You need to pay attention to the address for service, which should be contained in the tenancy agreement. Thus, if you have a properly drafted tenancy agreement, and I can help you draft your tenancy agreements if you want to make sure that they're fully compliant, uh, just visit us on our website, creativelegals.com. So make sure that you pay attention to the correct address for service. An address for service is often, but not necessarily, the residential address of the tenant. So it's not necessarily going to be the address of your property where the tenant is currently residing. The tenant may have provided a totally different address when they signed the contract. So just be alert to that and pay particular attention to that. And then the other point was the uh, wrong timing of service of the section whatever notice. So if you're dealing with section 21 notices, you can't validly serve a section 21 notice within the first four months of the tenancy. That's important. On the other hand, if you're serving a section 8 notice, you can serve that any time at all during the tenure of the tenancy, but you just need to ensure that you satisfy the relevant grounds, the relevant requirements of the requisite eviction grounds are provided. That's what you need to be mindful of. So the key point is timing is crucial. The last point relates to the wrong time limits. So your notice will not be valid if it is too short or if you apply to the court too late. So just be mindful of the time limits. They have to be correct. And I'll set out in the comments a table or a link to a table with all the right time limits. That's important. A common mistake that I'm finding or have been finding lately relates to notices that were served earlier on in the year. So perhaps you served a notice in January. Perhaps you served a notice in February. Um you gave the requisite timelines that were required at the material time. But what's happened is we then had the uh, stay of proceedings from March. And then now you think, okay, well, the stay has been lifted. I am actually going to kickstart the eviction process. But what we're finding is most of those notices are now out of date. They've now expired. They're now time barred. You can't... Um, 
use those particular notices. So just be mindful of that. Check the dates, uh, check when you send the notice and also specifically check on the face of the notice because it will say if you serve, that is if you serve the right notice, it will say on there, like if you look on the face of the section 21 notice, it will say on there, valid for six months um, from the date of issue. So that would be invalid by now. I know that the timelines have now been extended and your Section 21 notices will now be valid for 12 months. But if you serve the Section uh, Section 21 notices um, prior to the time limit extension, then it ought to have been a period of six months. Well, I appreciate you. So thank you so very much for spending time with me today. Until next time. Thank you for joining us on Creative Legals. Remember, what you do not know could cost you. Stay up to date. Subscribe to our weekly updates using the links below. Remember, what you do not know could cost you. CreativeLegals.com Faster. Smarter. Better. Better.